this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 swing and a miss. Struck him out. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Daubert, coming at you with another episode after the Philadelphia Phillies have officially clinched their first playoff series victory since 2010. They sweep the St. Louis Cardinals in two games in the wild card round. They make it back into the playoffs for the first time since 2011. Of course, facing the same team that they did in that historic season back then with the old core. It's a new core now in the Phillies. They they avenged that series a little bit. Um, a lot of the same players, or at least a few of the same players on the Cardinals now. Um, the Phillies end the careers of Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina, two future Hall of Famers, and they're moving on to face the Atlanta Braves last year's world champions. And of course, a division rival as always, I have my co-host Nathan Ackerman, Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. They are incredible. Like that was my takeaway. As soon as I saw that game, as soon as I saw game one, honestly, like this team's different from the teams that we've been watching for the last two, three, four, five years. They're a good baseball team. Like, they know how to win games. What they did in two games there in baseball heaven, ending the careers of three Hall of Famers, even if, you, I mean, however many you think should be, they're all going to be. 11 years after they ended, in effect, a lot of Phillies' careers in a super heartbreaking way. Like, they just went in there and did it. The pitching was brilliant. The offense was enough and it was timely and they did what they had to do. And I I wanted to say that it was unbelievable, but it wasn't because I legitimately think that they are a better team than the Cardinals. I think that they're a really good baseball team. I predicted Phillies in two. I'm just going to throw it right out there. I said the Cardinals offense has scored 10 runs, three or fewer runs in 10 of its last 16 games. The Phillies have two aces at the top of their staff. When that happens, anything can happen. I wasn't sure how they'd do in a game three, but I didn't think it would matter because I thought they'd finish it in two. And they did. And they did it in a pretty remarkable fashion, of course, with the way they won game one, with the drama of game two. They're incredible. I, I I don't know what else there is to say. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, we both predicted the Phillies to win this series. So I yeah, like like the first word you think of is unbelievable, but I think a lot of it was exactly what we thought could happen. And I almost feel a little silly that I predicted Phillies in three because it was like the exact formula that we both went over in our our preview pod, where it's like they have the two starting pitchers that make that give them the the big advantage in a series like this where when you have Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola pitching in a three-game series you need to win the first two you're going to have a really good shot and both of them were absolutely excellent uh, not giving not giving up any runs were, were both of them was it six and one-third for Zach Wheeler and six and two-thirds yeah for Aaron Nola 
uh, both pitching into the into the seventh inning, not giving up any runs, um, setting up the Phillies for success in their postseason debuts. Both of them, their their first taste of postseason baseball, the first taste of postseason baseball for a lot of these Phillies, and they they had some people, they had some players really step up. Um, we we can we'll we'll break it all down, but really, like some of the names come to mind. The the two starters, like I mentioned, um, Jose Alvarado after leaving a cutter up in in game one and and giving up that that pinch hit home run where the Phillies eventually are able to overcome it and they they put together that ninth inning comeback. One of the most like strangest and. and wildest innings you'll ever see and the most shocking thing i seriously have never been more shocked watching a phillies game yeah. or even a, a sports game like yes I, yes jaw was on but, the floor the whole entire time but in game, insane in game two jose alvarado comes in and in the whole bullpen really in game two um every, everybody who made an appearance looked sharp how about Sir Anthony, Anthony Dominguez? Dominguez? Yes, going yes. after Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, the heart of the Cardinals order, two MVP candidates, one guy who's gonna win it, and one guy who's pretty damn good himself too, and just challenging them, going right at them and striking both of them out in like the biggest spot of his career, the biggest spot of his career for sure. Like it's nothing else comes even close, and the way that Rob Thompson essentially by putting him in in that game told him i don't care what happened in the last month of the season it does not matter you have been our best reliever as a whole the entire season except for the last couple months you're going to go in and get these outs the biggest outs of the season the biggest outs like the 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 biggest relief appearance for this team since 2011 and he just went right at them and did it like that they what they showed, I think, over those last two games was I feel like I watched all of them grow up 10 years in a mm-hmm. one, two-game series. Like, the way that they came back on Saturday, Friday, and they were down 2-0 with one out, nobody on, and it was just walk here, put the ball in play here, battle back from two strikes here, sack fly here. And then in game two, it was here's the biggest moments of our entire lives and you're just going to shove like you're going to play, you know, you're going to make crazy plays that Alec Bohm usually doesn't make. Let's be completely honest. And you're going to get the biggest outs of your entire life. It was like that team was playing like the they were playing like the team with the experience of three guys who were approximately 40 years old and going to be in the Hall of Fame and have won two World Series. They yeah. were playing like that team and they did it on the road, too. It was incredible. Yeah, and they just got they got contributions from all around, and it, like like I said, it's it's highlighted by Wheeler and Nola, but Sir Anthony Dominguez, David Robertson, in, in game one has throws a big inning to kind of keep, to keep it two nothing going into the ninth and set them up to to start the comeback. Zach Eflin, after not looking very good in game one, in game two finishes it out. Gene Segura in his first ever playoff game. <laughs> able to put a put a ball in play and make something happen. Um, Alec Bohm, like you mentioned, Edmundo Sosa making um, yeah. even just as a late replacement, making making an impact, scoring on that that ball in the ninth inning of Game One, just all around. Like uh, it was, it was just it was cool to see. Yeah, and you can't help but feel good for 
for a lot of these guys and a lot of them, their first playoff action. That's not to mention in game two, Bryce Harper, uh, like, like you kind of said before, before we started recording, like maybe not, maybe like his biggest moment uh, as a Philly setting the tone with an absolute bomb of a home run. Well, and and it came in a two nothing game also. Like it wasn't like he hit that and then they won eight to one. Like he doesn't score that run there. It's one zero, and you can't just say that they would win by one because that's not how it works. The whole game plays out in a completely unpredictable way. Maybe they score a run there. Maybe the Cardinals are playing for one in the eighth and the ninth and the sixth. It's like everything is just so different. And like the way that Nola had pitched out of the first after Lars Nukbar singles, Brandon Marsh makes an error. He gets to second with nobody out. And then he goes through Pujols. Goldschmidt, Arenado. It was like all the momentum that they had from game one and lost when Lars Newbar got to second base. It was right back in their hands. And then Harper comes out and he does that. It's like the equivalent of a pitcher throwing a shutdown frame. It's like he comes out with responding to that bottom of the first and just hits an absolute bomb. Like no doubter off the bat. It was it was it was incredible like it there th- this team's different i i don't know how else to put it this team is a different team they feel like they know how to win these games and what what were we saying ty we were saying they just had to get over the hump and then everything was right out there for them and that's how i feel right now like i feel like what they just did made 2022 a success unquestionably they could get swept and it would still be successful but i'm trying to balance that with like why can't they make a run? Why not? When they have those two guys at the top of the staff, and I know Nola's only going to be able to throw once and maybe even Wheeler in the NLDS, but if you play like that and your bullpen's throwing like that and you're making plays like that and you're getting, well, timely hits kind of in the ninth specifically, why can't you make a run? Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, I think the Braves overall are still a better team. They yeah, won the sure. division. 100%. They won over 100 games. They are are deeper. They have some – they're overall, they're a better team. They also have some issues. Like Strider recently has been hurt. Who knows what the status will be. That's not to say the Phillies, like, everything's completely fine with them. Um, like, their third-best starters, they're closer right now because he isn't healthy. Uh, but it's like, yeah, I think – it is a success. They're going to have postseason baseball at Citizens Bank Park, and for the first time in a very long time, like the first time since the the night in 2011 where it all came crashing down, uh, they're they're going to play a, a playoff game in the city of Philadelphia. And I think we talked about it last time. Like that's a success for for the season. But I do think there's a chance. Like they they have a shot to to keep it rolling and. Maybe they maybe they do get embarrassed by the better team and like it's just a, a sweep in three games or something like that. But I think, like you mentioned, if people if players continue to step up and they get something like they got out of Alec Bohm over the last two days, or maybe Reese Hoskins and uh, after a bad series steps up, um, maybe Nick Castellanos for I don't know the first time all season decides that he wants to throw it back to last year. Who who knows what could happen. Like that, but as long as you have the the two guys at the top of rota- the rotation, they do pitching like they are right now. 
you never you never really know not to you know be a little cliche but you, you don't know what could happen in october well but that is the case that's exactly it doesn't need to be cliche or like that's that's what just happened like that's how they won that game we were talking about the about you know the 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 formula for how they can win those games and they just go out there and it's six and a third six and two thirds and then all of a sudden like your bullpen might not be as good as the opponents which i think was probably the case here but when you need two innings less from your bullpen you don't need as much and your guys at the top alvarado sir anthony eflin robertson if he's pitching like that you you turn the the starting pitching is so good that if it's on it turns like the it 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 turns the bullpen thing on its head because you probably don't have as much talent there and as much as many pieces there but if you only need one or two or three innings you can find a way to get those outs and that was what happened in the first game uh Quintana goes 5.1 uh Wheeler goes 6.1 and then the Cardinals are forced to get five outs from Ryan Helsley on his 30 something, his 30 something pitch. He just starts to unravel or he continues to un, uh, un unravel after he walked Harper. And it was like, that's why the Phillies can win those games because maybe they don't have that arm times five, but they have a couple of those guys. And if you only need three innings and Wheeler's going to go 6.1 and uh, you know, 6.1, 6.2, like they, they can piece that together and they can find a way to win pretty much any game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Do you want to, I, I want to, I guess, to get into, we mentioned Bohm specifically. Yeah. And I think we can kind of like single, every, everybody at this point, nobody nobody who's listening in right now doesn't know what happened. They Like they watched these first two games, or at least they have a little bit uh, <laughs> of an idea of what happened. So we don't need to do play-by-play recap, but we can talk about some of our takeaways and, and the things that stuck out to us. And and like I said before, I think Alec Bohm, the way that he stepped up over these two games was like position player wise, it was the biggest difference maker um, over the course of the series for the Phillies. He hits a, du- he hits a double in game one, hits another double in game two in, in game one in the ninth inning, he gets the scoring started with a hit by pitch and he takes a hundred and something mile an hour fastball off the shoulder and he immediately gets up and starts celebrating. Uh, and then they replace him with Edmundo Sosa who eventually scores, but that on the defensive Dude, he, end. Yeah. He robs Nolan Arenado of, of all people of like two hits. He makes some brilliant plays like, sorry, he, continue. Yeah, no, he in, in game one, he turns a really crucial double play on Albert Pujols in game two, he tries to turn a double play on Albert Pujols and then the runner's safe at second, but they still get Pujols at first, like with ease, which Yadier was funny. Oh yes, 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 yes. Um, just the, I don't know, just like the poise of all those plays, you know, like he can try second, but still have time to get the out at first. He looked smooth on everything. And you think back to like, April, May, and that that Mets game early on in the season with Ranger Suarez pitching where, like, he can't throw the ball to first, and that's the game everybody knows where he says that he effing hates this place. And, I, believe and every- we, Ty, I believe we were at that game together. 
We were. That is true. That is when when Nathan, who of course lives in California, when he was in Philly, we were there. We we saw the implosion and we saw firsthand like how ugly it can get when he's in his own head. And we've seen different times throughout the season, like at the plate when when things are going bad for Bohm, like they can get pretty ugly. But um, I think that he's a player where a lot of it is like confidence based and. He seemed to be believing in himself this weekend and he did everything they could have asked and more on both ends. It was like for, for a player who came in in 2020, he was the number three overall pick in 2018 was runner up for rookie of the year. And people thought he'd be like a cornerstone of this team. And he's kind of had, 2021 was pretty much all downs for him. 2022 was a little more up and down. And I think like, you know, that doesn't mean he's like the perfect player going forward. There's still questions about his defense and his bat as well, but at least, at least for a playoff series, at least um, for these two games, which turned out to be the first Phillies playoff series victory in a, in a long, long time. Like, he came through and and that has to be very special for him and, and cool to see for the team, his teammates and and the people that have followed him since he's entered the organization. When I think about the whole weight has been lifted thing and they can finally just play. I think of three guys, Hoskins, Nola and Alec Bohm. And Alec Bohm is one of those guys who it's just, it, it feels like for the last two years, parts of this year, last year, he was just, as you said, in his own head and he was always pressing. And there was like something that he just had to unlock. And I feel like getting to the playoffs for him and for all of all of those guys, it's just they can they can breathe and they can play baseball. And they're actually pretty talented baseball players. Like when they can do that, when they don't feel like they have the weight of the world on them and they don't feel like they have this giant thing that they have to get off their backs and that's like the only thing that anybody's going to talk about and they're going to be you know they're going to choke and they're going to be losers and they're never going to win until they finally do that once they get there and this is what we were saying it's like it's it's hard not to imagine them all just taking off and I think that that's what you've started to see from him over the weekend it's like he's finally there he doesn't have to wear the weight of this playoff drought of this, you know, choking September thing, which was a true story. Like that wasn't a thing that we made up. That was a real thing, but now it's gone at least for now. And it's like, they can just play and they're a good team. I think that they're a talented team who before didn't know how to win games. They didn't know how to play in the big spots and now they do. And it's hard not to imagine that he's one of the people who this affected the most. When you talk about, how he was a confidence guy and he would get in his head. And when he was high, he was high. And when he was low, it was really, really bad. And when you go back to the whole, I effing hate this place thing. And then the standing O that he got the next night, like what a season for him and the way that it's ending, not that it's over, but the way that it, you know, came out in the, over the weekend and the way that he just played, it's like the, the story for him has been so, like I, I I don't even know the word for it. It's it's just he finally can get out of his own head. And there's so many guys like that who I'm like, they just had to get there, and then you never know. And that's how I feel. That's that's how I feel about them as a team because that's how I feel about so many of the individual players. And he showed it. Like 
no, he's not going to win a gold glove one day, but he can make plays every now and then. And if he's doing well at the plate, that'll only help him out more. And he takes a hit by pitch and he says, he's like, he, I, I've, I've never been more you know excited to get hit by one Oh one near my head. And that's just the kind of thing that this team rallies around. And it almost feels like he's built that type of player is built for a three, like a three game set. And if you have that and you have somebody who can hold down third and you can hit a ball in the gap every now and then, and it's like, you can, that can not carry you, but pretty close. And that's exactly what I think you saw. And he's one of the guys where I'm just like the whole weight has been lifted thing. The burden's gone. That applies to him more than almost anybody else. Yeah, I think the way you put it like is is pretty pretty spot on that the reason that you feel like if if they get in then you never know what could happen like they just have to get in and and then they have a shot and how that's like the reason it feels like that is because it's like that for so many of the individual players like I think that's that's really accurate um where it's just like get these guys in the right setting, get them over the hump. And like, they have a lot of players who have the ability to, to do damage and, and make an impact uh, in, in playoff baseball. And I think like you look at the, the guy who waited the longest out of anyone in the league yeah. to, to make the postseason, Gene Segura. And then his first playoff game, you know, he makes his debut in 2012 and finally his first playoff game like you're in a spot where it's like all you have to do is put the ball in play and I don't know if there's anyone else you'd rather up than than Gene Segura and he shoots the ball past the second baseman in the right field if the infield is playing back it's like almost definitely an out the Cardinals uh, blew that inning so bad like the Cardinals did everything wrong yeah if Paul Goldschmidt steps on first Arenado comes up with that play and Tommy Edmond is not playing like infield in, in that spot. That's four. They score four runs, probably three, maybe even two. And they, based on how the bottom of the ninth went, they probably win that game. But yes. They gave yes. that thing away. And that was their they chance. Did. That was their chance. I, I, once I saw that happen and I know that, the guy who was throwing game two is a guy who, when the team's doing well, he does well. And he, he rides the wave. I said it on the space last night, but that was like, that was it. Once, once that happened. And then once Harper hits the Homer in the second, it's like, they're, they're going to find a way to win this. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to highlight Segura. Like if there's anyone you want up to just, you know, you have to hit the ball. It's him and he puts it in the right spot. And, and that's all you need sometimes to run score. He's like jumping up and down on his way to first, and and you can see like like how much it, it uh you know it, this time of the year it means everything to all these players like this is what they play for to, to win in October to to play for a World Series but I, I think it was it was cool to see for the guy who who's waited longer than anyone else just like how excited he was to like have his chance um, and his opportunity to. So to win them a playoff game, to win them their first playoff game in a long time. And the guy who started the rally in the ninth of game one, the guy who was number two on that list, the second most games played yes. without a postseason appearance, JT, uh, Real Muto. And it's it, 
the the storybookness that's not a word the storybookness of how the weekend played out with nola starting game two zach eflin finishing it off sending them to the next round like the way that they did it on monday in houston like it was perfect and the way that they did it against molina wainwright pujols yachty coming up in the ninth or yeah in the ninth with a chance to tie it up i know we got on base but like it was perfect the way that it all played out goldschmidt Arenado in in the in the eighth inning and it also happened in the sixth when he just threw like 94 down the pipe and said go and hit it and they couldn't like it was perfect like they the cardinals almost except for the ninth inning in game one which i realized was a big thing like it was all scripted for them too and the phillies just went out there and took it it was impressive really impressive real quick i wanted to touch on um you you mentioned Goldschmidt and Arenado and and Arenado like game two he makes a really nice play on a bunt and just he's known Arenado like he's gonna make nice plays at third but like for the most part at the plate Arenado and Goldschmidt gave them nothing gave them nothing Arenado uh, he flies he out and fifty he had a ball four fifty that somehow didn't get out. He, he flies out in, in game one, and then he's seemingly, like, complaining about it for, like, three innings. Then he hit a ball in game two that, that Bohm flagged down, and then he was, like, complaining about that. And it's like, man, you're in the playoffs. Like, well, can you, like, stop complaining about, like, your batted ball luck and just, like, yeah. lock in? And then you whiff on a ball in the ninth inning. It's like, you can't have, like, your, your top two guys give you nothing like that. And on both sides, they were not good enough for the Cardinals. And for his, like, we talked about, like, the, the ways the Phillies, like, went out and got it and got it done. But also, like, the Car- the Cardinals' best players did not step up. No. Um, Ryan Helsley, too. He's Yeah, I know. The, probably the their, finger, their third the, best player. Yeah, the finger, the finger numbness thing yeah, ma- sure. makes it weird. And they seemingly left him in entirely too long when it was clear that he had no clue where the ball was going. But yeah, like three of their most important players weren't flat out not good enough in, in those games. And that's a big part of it. Where Yeah. In a two-game series, like all it takes is, sorry, a three-game series, you only go two. It only takes a couple bad games from one side and a couple good games from the other side. And next thing you know, the series is over. Doesn't it feel like they think they can make a run too? It does. Like it, I, it genuinely it feels like they're not just there to be there and they don't feel like the mission's accomplished. Like they're they're having fun with it all for sure. And I think even if they were to lose, they would probably say, yeah, it was a good step forward for the team. But they feel like they they think that they belong there. And that was a, a, one of the things that you were, I guess, slightly concerned about when you had them playing, you know, Wainwright, uh, Yachty, and Pujols. It was like, are they going to be are they just going to be out outmatched in terms of experience? You know, are they going to wilt on, on the road and all those things? Baseball happened, blah, blah, blah. They weren't. They weren't. They felt like, again, they felt like the more experienced team. It, it feels like they actually belong here. And I know that there were, there were a lot of people that said, yeah, well, there weren't that many people because by the end, they just wanted them to get in the playoffs given how se- September happened. But there were a lot of people, there were some who were like, yeah, they're, you know, the playoff drought's over. They're the sixth seed, a spot that only exists this year. They might not play a home game. It's going to feel good that they ended the playoff drought, but kind of empty too. Not anymore. Like, 
they just showed that they belong there. They showed that they're one of the four. I think they're one of the four best teams in the National League for sure, especially the way the, the Mets are in shambles right now. Well, they're not better than the Mets, but you get you get my point. It, it feels like they actually belong where they are. And I think they feel that too. And I think that's what makes, again, that's what makes this season successful is because it, it didn't feel like something that wasn't real or something that was just because of the expanded playoffs and they didn't get a home game. They're getting all of that now. And I think they, they earned it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, just wanted to touch on, you know, it wasn't all perfect for the Phillies this weekend, specifically on Saturday in game two, some of the base running mistakes that they made, like Harper trying to stretch to second, um, you know, Real Muto takes an extra base to third, then Harper tries to move up to second base. He's thrown out. It looked like he was maybe safe on replay, but the call stood. It's just like, what are you doing? And then there's a first and third play where Alec Bohm gets picked off maybe on purpose and he tries to get in a rundown, but then Real Muto wasn't going and it looked like Bohm could have just walked to second, but then like almost got himself tagged out on purpose to end or no, not yeah to end the inning, to end the inning and Real Muto didn't score. Very strange. Yeah. There was also, I didn't understand Segura bunting Bohm over to third when you had, Stott and then Marsh no Stott and then Schwarber coming up against a lefty and they weren't going to bunt either even though Stott has shown that he can do that so it's like you're kind of taking the bat out of Segura's hand when you have unfavorable matchups coming up next Stott isn't exactly tearing the cover off the ball right now that was weird but I guess who cares for now right yes right yes, <laughs> yes. like they despite that all I mean it it seemed it just seems so anti Phillies and so anti what we know what we've seen from this team for the last 10 years it was like when they didn't score in the whatever inning uh Harper gets thrown out and Bohm does that thing between first and second it was oh that's definitely gonna bite them there's no way it doesn't bite them let's see if they can win game three I'm sure that's what the thoughts were among a large part of the fan base and the lead held because you know, Sir Anthony did his thing and Alvarado did his thing. They just came right at guys. And Eflin, you know, it it was another dicey ninth inning. But in the end, it it got done and they're moving on. It's it's crazy. It's it's like I don't know. I like I, I just don't know how to put it into words because they I I still I, I always thought that they were a better team than the Cardinals. I just didn't know if they were going to show up the way that they did in Houston for game one or the way that they did, I guess, in Washington when they had to win three out of four. I know that that one game was terrible, but like the way that they showed up down the stretch and the games that they absolutely had to win, I didn't know if it was going to get to them. And that's why I'm saying I feel like they grew 10 years in two days because the way that they won the game in the ninth inning on Friday, it was a bunch of young guys who get up there and they fall behind in one, two counts. And then they work a walk or they put the ball in play somehow. And it was just ridiculously impressive. Yeah, completely agree. Um, Last thing, last very quick thing. Any funny things you saw during the celebration after the game? And then we can wrap this up short one. It's late at night. We'll have a preview uh, before the Atlanta series. I think there was more barking. I saw Brandon Marsh, like Alex Coffey walks up to Brandon Marsh and Marsh sees the camera and he just starts flossing. 
which was kind of funny. They were all like singing along with Reese Hoskins' walk-up song, which is funny because I, I, it's it's a good song. It's a good song for the moment too. Um, I, I'm honestly, I haven't done my Twitter scroll yet, but I'm very much looking forward to consuming all of the clubhouse champagne celebration content. Yeah, I saw I saw Alex Coffey tweeted a video of of Garrett Stubbs on Derek Hall's shoulders, which was funny. Like the smallest guy on the team, biggest guy on the team, made for made for a good video. Bobby Dickerson is dancing and getting champagne thrown on him in the clubhouse, which is cool. Uh, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's yeah, I don't know. It's good that stuff. Just fun to watch. No, definitely. All right. I think that'll do it for this episode. Like I mentioned, the two of us, we will have everything you need to preview this Atlanta series. Looks like it'll be Ranger Suarez in game one. Let's save our predictions for this for this preview pod. How's that sound? I, you know how much I love my preview pods, so I'm very much exactly. looking forward to it. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay tuned. We'll talk to you next time.